Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Penzer, former WCW and Impact ring announcer, and you are listening to Count It Out with Mike and Tyler. Well, we are live, pals. Welcome to another edition of Counted Out with Mike and Tyler. I am Tyler. As always, I am joined by the one and only Mahito Mike. Sir, how are you? (laughs) I I feel like it's been extra long since we've done this. It has been. You know, you and I, we took a week off after uh, the SummerSlam live show. And I think we, I can speak on your behalf when I want to say thank you to everybody that joined us for that. Uh, a big success for sure. Wait, wait. Did we already do the SummerSlam live show? <laughs> yes, the SummerSlam. Where have you? We, how many? Uh, I know you had we, about 25. Because I, I, don't, I don't remember anything about that night. Well, if that was a mess, is, man. If your memory's a little muddy, then go back into the archives, as I have posted the top seven Randy Orton SummerSlam matches in the archives. Uh, safe to say, Mike, we did have a debate on the show between Hogan and Orton versus the Elimination Chamber match. The fine people of Instagram have spoken, and you narrowly did win the vote on uh, on our Instagram vote. So, damn you. <laughs> I, I, I honestly can't believe it wasn't a landslide. Um, come on now, Hogan. There's always that good nostalgia for Hogan, but we got into that. If you guys want to hear Mike and I uh, yell at each other while we drink Jack Daniels and Coronas, then go back into the archive and take a listen to the top seven Randy Orton matches from SummerSlam. A lot to talk about this week, man. I want to kind of jump right in because we didn't do this. Uh, I got a couple things, man. A couple big losses for the WWE right now. Uh, yeah, definitely. Renee Young is gone. Uh, yep. Mauro Ranello is gone. And mm-hmm. Brock Lesnar also no longer allegedly with the company. Exactly. Uh, apparently, his uh, contract uh, expired a few days ago, and uh, talks kind of fell through and didn't come to an agreement. So he he took a walk. Um, well, now Brock's contract actually expired after WrestleMania. Oh, okay. I st- I, I thought uh, I thought there was like a. A timing thing like he didn't have any matches left he had to do but he had to be with the company or something like that i didn't think it's a i didn't think his official contract ended until this week yeah what i'm hearing is that brock's contract is done at mania and and just creative hasn't really had anything for him to do right now which is i get it i think brock is a little bit stale in my opinion uh, and, you know, with no Saudi Arabia shows and, and nothing planned for SummerSlam, I just don't think they're in a rush to get a new deal done this year. Yeah, and I, I think it works for everybody. I, I don't think uh, I don't think Brock really loves doing it anymore. I don't think he needs to do it anymore. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, speculation. What's Brock going to do now? Is he going to go to AEW? Is he going to do something like that? Um, I say no. Uh, I think he's done with professional wrestling for a while. And, and, and by that, I mean indefinitely. Uh, yes, if anything, I could see him going back to MMA and I could see him going back to Bella. I could see him going to Bellator rather than UFC. 
Yeah, Scott Coker is saying that he wants to put a fight together with him and Fedor Emelianenko. I think Brock is still suspended, as far as I'm concerned, uh, as far as I'm aware from the, his last fight. Well, he hasn't uh, paid so any he, of his fines. Yeah, which you know, I I don't know. This is a classic Brock. I think it's this time where he always teases the irons everywhere. I wouldn't be surprised yep. to start hearing some AEW rumors, but I think he'll be signing back with Vince when, well, when let- the time is right. Let's be honest, man. That, man. that that man has made enough money in his career, and from what I hear, he doesn't spend a lot of it. So he's made a lot enough money to go up to his uh, his farm in Saskatchewan and just sit there for the rest of his life and not need for a damn thing. What do you say at UFC and drink a Coors Light because they don't pay me? Yeah, get on top God. of his wife. You better get on top of her uh, while he still can. I mean, she she's got to be getting up there in AJ. Jesus. I don't think I don't think Brock's too much off. He's getting up there too, no. Well, Brock's probably if I'm, I'm almost forty, so I'm gonna say Brock's probably forty three, forty four. Yeah, I'd say that's probably fair. What yeah, about the what What about the two losses of uh, Renee Young and Mara Ranella? I think those hurt the company. They're, they both hurt the company. They both hurt the company, definitely. But uh, I think it's good for both of them. I think Renee needed to branch out. Renee, uh, you know, she she lived her dream. You know, this was... Uh, I like what she said in her leaving statement, where she said, that, you know, it, it's time to say goodbye to Renee Young and go find Renee Paquette again. Yeah. And I like that because, hell, man, I was a big fan of Renee Paquette to begin with. Um, you know, she she's part of the reason... Yeah, she's part of the reason I I, uh, I tuned into Aftermath. You know, yeah. hey, her her and Jimmy Corderas and uh, Ardo Ocal, those are the reasons I, I, I watched that show back then. And, uh, you know, I was really happy for her for when she got to WWE. But um, I think time has uh, maybe worn her on the business. Do you, do you think we see her in AEW for at least an angle? Because I know MJF has mentioned her name a couple of times. Not by name, but mentioned your wife to Moxley. Did Not anytime soon. I think so, too. I, 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 I'm not saying it's never going to happen, but not soon. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I can't say I disagree with you either. I do have a couple things I, I want to ask you about as well, Mike. So yeah. you and I have done kind of a sit back and approach on this. I want to know after it's been almost a month now. Raw Underground, what are you thinking? I haven't been paying enough attention to the product to have an opinion. Yeah, that that, that is that is the damn truth. I'm I'm not digging it. Uh, I don't know. It, it's okay. Like it's different. I I like that they're trying something different, but for me, it's it's a miss. It's a miss for me. It reminds me of um. It reminds me of kind of like insulting your intelligence, like Brawl for All kind of did, where it's like, okay, you're watching, you know, Raw, but Raw Underground, it's real. You know what I mean? It gives it like they're trying yeah. to do this shoot vibe thing, and it's like, I don't know. It, it, it's been okay. I, you know, they're they're kind of making some guys out of it. Riddick Moss, is that his name? Riddick Moss. Yep. He's he's looking pretty good in there, and and you know they've got MVP and his boys looking pretty good in there, but. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's okay. I, I think it's a good way maybe to debut a couple of guys to get them up there, but uh, I'm I'm not sold yet. I think I don't think it should be part of Raw. I think if you want to do something like that, make it a little weird uh, network exclusive or something yeah, like that. Yeah, put it on the internet, put it on YouTube or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it, it, it can't be helping Raw's ratings. It definitely can't. Um, 
you talked about some uh, losses. You, you you didn't mention one of the biggest losses we uh, we suffered this week. What's that? And that's of one of the most iconic tag teams in history. Iconic. We uh, we learned that uh, the Iconics have broken up. Um, what yeah, are your I, thoughts, man? Okay, I have two thoughts on this. No, no. We have both said in the past that you and I are both huge Peyton fans. Yes. Okay. So so we're we're both big fans of Peyton Royce. The the rumor I I was reading actually right before we started recording is that Vince has gotten really high on her and wants to give her a singles push. Okay. And that's why they're splitting them up. I have some fantasy booking that I would love to see. And I I don't think it's going to happen because I do think, especially after... um, um, Peyton threw uh, Billy to the, the underground for Jasmine Duke to beat up this week. I, I think that they're kind of done. Yeah. I would love to see Billy Kay under a mask teaming with Peyton Royce, pretending not to be Billy Kay. That would be so funny. I think that would be hilarious. Uh, you know, obviously it's her, but uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, just no, it's not me. They're heavy, uh, you know, uh, the <laughs> new- accent. Yeah. Love I it. just think that would be absolute gold. I hope that's where they go. But if not, you know what? Peyton Royce does deserve a, a chance at being a single run. I don't think they needed to split them up for that to happen. I don't, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. Um, okay, but, but the thing is, it, it, it has happened, right? So I have three questions for you. Number one, does Peyton really succeed to the level where we would like her to or does she get lost in the shuffle in the next six months uh, i say she gets a three-month push and then gets lost in the shuffle yeah i see maybe, that happen maybe, sorry, too, maybe which is um, i think they'll build her up have a time however they, the they do need to build some females uh they just announced that uh charlotte won't be back for at least a year oh really eh yeah they announced that today um uh, and becky's gone for at least that too right yeah so no. So they, they definitely need some, some main event women and Peyton could definitely do it. So maybe we're wrong. Maybe I, I would like to be wrong about this, but I, I agree with you. I, I kind of see her being lost in the shovel. And I know, um, you know, she is entertaining enough where, where I hope that doesn't happen, but we'll, we'll see. Time will tell on that yeah. one, right? My second question, um, how can, can the women's tag team division afford to lose a top team like this? I mean, who are your champions, right? They're just going to keep doing makeshift teams going forward. Yeah. Right? I, I, I don't I don't think it's a great idea for if you're trying to build this tag division, but that's well, just I mean, me. You've got some teams in NXT that you can take a look at too, right? Yeah, definitely. So who knows? Um, maybe, maybe there's some opportunity there for some people to step up and get called up to the main roster, right? And my, uh, my third question, what happens to Billy Kay now? I think you see her go to SmackDown. Yeah, I think she's going to go to a different brand. Um, do, I think I think they're going to give her some time off. Okay. That's, do that's do they take. do they find her a new partner or do they keep her as a singles? I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you want to see her with a new partner? Who would you even put her with? They had such magic that those two together. They that did. It, yeah. Right. And, and, and it worked because they were best gimmick. friends in real life, you know? Yeah. They've been friends since high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be cool maybe if she tried to find a new tag team partner and did like the old school Cactus Jack. Like every week they, they lose because of this jobber partner and, and she turns on them. Yeah. Something like that. Because she's hilarious, right? She really is. So. She really is. 
Um, I we've said it forever. She's definitely the humor of that group, and 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 Peyton is the talent. Um, by far. Uh, a couple other quick little uh, news items to, to to run by before we get into this week's list. Um, dude, <laughs> did did you hear about the news of Dictionary.com today? I did not. So, uh, Dictionary.com, which is re- re- registered and recognized as a legal dictionary, just the same as Webster's or you know any of those, or the Oxford has added a new word today. What would that word be? And that word is jabroni. Ah, that's fantastic. Man, they should pay the rock for that shit. I'm telling you, <laughs> if, anybody, if anybody that I work with is listening to this, they're going to be laughing right now because that's all I've been calling my staff for the last three weeks. <laughs> jabroni. Well, it's, it's hilarious, man. If... Uh, and it makes sense. If anybody in wrestling history was going to invent a word to be put in the dictionary, of course it would be The Rock. He's the most successful man on earth. So, of, of course, he would have his own word put in the dictionary. I like you know? that, man. I like that. I've got something else I want to ask you about, and then I'm going to throw to something uh, after that, Mike. Yeah. Uh, retribution. Retribution. Pardon me. Yeah. Yeah. Where are we standing? Where are we looking on that? What do you what what, what do you think about this retribution? I'm, I'm still. They got to do something really soon. Um, they're they're starting to lose me. I I've been giving them the benefit of the doubt. I you know everybody else is shitting on them, calling them you know a rip off aces nates whatever, uh, calling them too small. Call, you know making fun of the fact that they're uh, they've been changing up the people you uh, using them. It's not going to be those people for real. You know, um, but I've been giving them the deal. I want this to work because uh, I think it could be something special. However, they got to they got to shit or get off the pot because they, they got these guys coming out each week doing the same shit and nothing's happening. Um, Sounds and like they're going to be a exclusive now. Too. Exactly. And I don't know how I feel about that. Maybe once you solidified, solidified them as a as an actual team and stuff, maybe you do something like that. But that kind of takes away from the chaos of it, doesn't it? If you want to call what they're doing chaos, sure. Um, I mean, I mean, here's my take on the mic. If I was in high school and I was walking down the halls and I was worried that the high school bully was going to take my lunch money, I'd probably be pretty scared of retribution. But I mean, you're not scaring me by throwing a cinder block through and, and you know, they just look, they look like high school kids. Like they're, you know what I mean? They're just banging and shaking the ropes and just punching people. Like they, they don't look scary at all. I read a great, uh, I read a great uh, uh, comparison online today of somebody comparing it to uh, the ninjas that, uh, that, that, that kidnapped <laughs> Samoa Joe back in, IC, in uh, Impact. They look like the foot soldiers. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I, if they look like the foot soldiers. And any time that they're going to get in there with any of the big ninja turtles, like a big star, they're just going to get the shit kicked out of them. Well, and they've already gotten I mean, beat up on more than one occasion. Maybe, maybe they're bringing those guys back. Do you remember back in like 1991 or some shit? They had those ninja turtles in WWF. I mean, we already have the foot soldiers with Tazawa. Yeah. 
Oh, WWE, what are you doing for us? Also, I don't know if you saw this or not, but uh, as of recording this, uh, Eric Young has won the Impact World Championship. Well, I was going to bring up two more things, and that was one of them. Yeah, definitely I saw that. And uh, great for Eric Young. Uh, You know, he was... uh, He's one of those guys that, uh, you know, that got released that I think was a stupid move by by WWE. They did not use him, not even close to his potential. Um, And it's not even one of those things where they, you know, they couldn't figure out how to use him properly because they had a great gimmick on him. Oh, yeah. You know, that whole sanity thing was working. It was working huge. And then they just took it away and said, nah, no more of you. You know, it, 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 it's it's stupid, but uh, put him back where he belongs. He's back on impact, and he's got the strap now. Good for him. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they do, and, and he's going to be fired up. I listened to an interview he did, and, and he's, you know, he's not bashing the WWF by, or WWE by any means, but he's just saying, you know, how do you not know what to do with somebody that you signed to your company? Yeah. And I, you can't disagree with them. You know, they didn't even give him a chance to fail. So he's fired up. I think he's been doing great stuff in Impact Wrestling. I, I have been trying to follow and watch a little bit more Impact Wrestling. Um, so he does. I think I've fired up Eric Young. As somebody who's ate a hot dog with that guy in Sharon Arena when I was in grade 10, I'm down <laughs> to see what Eric Young's doing right now. Speaking of uh, released wrestlers, um, another guy who was released the same day Eric Young was, has now made a challenge to Nick Aldis, the NWA champion. Oh, yeah. And I am looking forward to this. We're going to see a fired-up Mike Bennett versus Nick Aldis really soon. Ooh. And I I am down. Yeah, that's good, man. That's going to be a great way to let people remember that Mike Bennett knows what he's doing in the ring. Absolutely. He he cut a fiery promo. It was amazing. I I can't wait to see... uh, to see what he can do against Aldis, because you know me, I love I love me some uh, some Nick Aldis, and him and uh, him and Bennett, I think, could really do some magic together. Yeah, and then uh, do you have anything else news wise you want to talk about? Very last thing I want to talk about. I I need to ask your permission because this is going to be a spoiler. Okay. Do you want to talk about what happened only an hour ago, uh, as of this recording at NXT Tuesday night? I mean, by the time that this gets posted if you oh it's not going to be a spoiler for them i don't know if you know so i didn't want to spoil it for you i do know i i read the results okay not watch the match yet okay um did i call it or did i call it yeah yeah i texted you hours ago saying that i was that, that you and neither you and i were uh we're big on the idea of this being an Iron Man match, right? No, I think it would have been more effective as an elimination match. Exactly. And I get it now that they want to build for another week, and, and uh, that's cool. And, and, then, and that's exactly what I told you. I, I said, I feel the only ma- the only reason to make an Iron Man match is because two of them are going to end up tying. And you know what? It could have been any of them for me. Because they have the four greatest wrestlers in NXT history in that ring. And, and, yeah. and I mean, and I mean that there's not one other NXT guy that I would put above those four ever. No, I don't think you can argue that. And uh, you can, yeah, you, can throw all, you can throw you can throw all the Seth Rollins at me, all the uh, the Keith Lee's, uh, you know, all, yeah, you, you can throw all those guys at me. None of them will rank up to those four men, Balor, Champa, Gargano and Cole are the the elite, no pun intended, 
of NXT. I'll tell you what, you give me some Finn Balor and Adam Cole all day, any day, and I'm down. I think the they well, think they that's the right what we're to get, up. man. That's a that's a fresh matchup next week. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think that this new Finn Balor, he's been reinvented in NXT again. I would love to see him get the strap again. Absolutely, I think that's the Absolutely. way to go. The last thing I, I think, want to I think that's on. the way to go too. Especially, I don't know where these rumors are lying. With uh, with Adam Cole, people are saying that he's he's on his way out. He's going to go uh, go to AW with his wife. Uh, you know, he's just wait, wait, uh, abiding his time, waiting for his contact uh, contract to come up. I don't know where the truth is on this at all. But if that yeah. is the truth, then this still makes sense because we just got Gargano and and, um, or, uh, and Balor. You know what I mean? We got Champ and Balor. This is a fresh match. This is cool. We're going to see this. And, and it's going to be a championship match to boot. So, yeah. uh, so it, it, you know, it's new, exciting. It's everything that's good. Uh, and it's a good way, maybe, for for all we know, maybe it's a way to write off Cole. No, absolutely, man. I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to see what they do here. So is this, uh, is the Pat McAfee story over, do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's done. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that was done well, too, right? Yeah, it was done enough. But if you, if you would have let it go too far... He was going to lose his steam, and I wouldn't have cared. So I got I got one more point I want to just mention real quickly before we go to something real special, uh, special yep. treat we have lined up for you guys this week before the list. Um, any interest in AEW pay per view this weekend? Me personally? Yeah. Do you got anything you uh, do you know? Do you even know there's an AEW pay per view this weekend? Or anything? I I, I I knew there was one this month. I uh, did not necessarily realize it was this weekend. I'm pretty sure um, it's this weekend. All I know about it is is, is that uh, that mimosa match you told me about. Yeah, you're really excited about that. I loved your reaction. You can check that out on our Instagram page. <laughs> Mike's live and, uh, and I know MGF and uh, and Moxley are going at it. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't fucking care. I don't I think- care. I think there's one match that, that is worth the price of admission alone, and that's going to be uh, FTR challenging for the tag team titles against Hangman and Kenny Omega. That I is think. an interesting story. I do like, like, I haven't been watching a whole lot of it, but what I have seen of the, uh, you know, the stuff going on with Hangman and, uh, and Omega and the Bucks and all that, it's interesting. It's cool. I, I like what they're doing. No, I think, uh, I think it's been cool. They're teasing the Kenny Omega heel turn. And Hangman costs the Young Bucks the number one contender opportunity. He's been drinking buddies with FTR. Tully Blanchard is now with FTR. You're going to see Sean Spears get involved, maybe. Cody's written off TV right now. Maybe that's going to build for a big return. And then he's going to hook up with Arn and, and get in that group, too. Like, uh, There's a lot of really cool possibilities that are going to build out of this angle, I think. Yeah, maybe it'll be enough for me to to start watching it again. But right now, it's just there's nothing for me personally on this show. No, there just fair. isn't. Yeah, uh, that's fair. So I have a treat for us this week, Mike. Yes, sir. I want to talk about the Thunderdome right now, and I want yeah. to hear your take on the Thunderdome. And then we are going to go to a very special interview that I conducted last week with friend of the show Steve Bourne who actually was inside of the Thunderdome for SummerSlam. And uh, I, got some, I got some comments from his experience being in the Thunderdome. Uh, Steve is the host of a podcast called the E8 Podcast. Make sure you guys check that out. He does a, 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 top, seven, a top eight sports countdown. 
about a wide variety of topics. We, we actually talked to him on air on our SummerSlam live show. He is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to wrestling. Had a couple choice words for some of your uh, prior lists as well that you've done, Mike. So, uh, Well, it's, uh, it's all right. He's, I mean, he's wrong. <laughs> he's, I'm on his side. Well, I'll let the people hear the interview. So before I throw to the interview with Steve, Mike, let me hear your take on the Thunderdome. The Thunderdome, I think, um, when it when they first announced it, I didn't know what to think. When we first saw it, I was impressed. I was, I, 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 I was, I am impressed. Um, as the weeks go by, each week it looks a little bit more impressive, and especially since they've added the pyro, mm-hmm. and uh, you know what I mean. It, it, it almost, almost feels like a live crowd. You know what I mean. Uh, so I, I commend them for doing something different. Um, you know, it would have been easy for them just to stay at uh, full sale and, and do what uh, AEW is doing and bring in like, you know, fucking 50, 60 you know, fans or something like that. You know what I mean? They, like they could have done that. But no, they, they, they went a different road. They, they tried something different. And this is very, very cool. Um, the only downside to it is it has showed us the dark horrible side of some wrestling fans yeah there's, uh, there's, there's, there's you know there's there's been some days where i am goddamn embarrassed to be a wrestling fan watching that shit because it because it, when it gets out to to people who aren't wrestling fans and they're and they're like oh is that what wrestling fans do yeah no bad. that's you know it, it, i i don't want to be represented by by those pieces of shit no and, and, and i that a lot on this show too how embarrassing some of these fans are of course, uh, and this just takes the cake. I didn't think it could get worse than what we've seen in the past, but you know, within two weeks, the last two weeks, we have seen um, more than one now, uh, if you're including this past Raw, uh, more than one uh, KKK member. Just terrible. Um, a live execution by ISIS. Yeah. The... Uh, uh, the very last ever known picture taken of Chris Benoit. Yeah, and you know what? Like, just think about stuff like that for a second. How are you feeling if you're, you know, a family member if, of Chris Benoit? If or... you're, if you are David Benoit, like that, that's got a sting, and, right? And you're watching SummerSlam, and that comes up. Like, what the fuck? Or, or if you're anybody that's been, you know, affected by uh, any type of racism or the Ku Klux Klan, like. What the like? What are you thinking, people? You know like, what I mean. Why are you Give doing that? Yeah. I will say there has been one bright spot that I have enjoyed about <laughs> it, and that was fucking Kenny Omega sitting in on the Thunderdome, which is absolutely hilarious. Like I, I just love it because he honestly seems to believe that he wasn't going to get caught. Like, like he, he thought nobody would actually notice. <laughs> I, I just think that's absolutely hilarious. Good for you, Kenny Omega, having oh, a little bit man. of fun. And a time when wrestling is a little bit too serious. Yeah. Oh man, that, that was fun. But uh, but yeah, that um, I am not turned off from the Thunderbolt Dome yet. I hope they don't pull a plug on it anytime soon. I like it. Um, good for Stephen Bourne and a couple of our other friends who have gotten on it. Uh, good for them because I have tried numerous times now and it's hard. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's I have difficult. not. I have not tried yet, but uh, I just think that it's added a whole different um, feeling to their product. Uh, I think oh, yeah. it's freshened it up. Uh, it's a lot easier to watch now. It looks awesome. Uh, and now, I think can you imagine? Really- can you imagine if they did decide to postpone WrestleMania instead of 
putting it on when it was supposed to be in March. If they would have postponed, waited till now, WrestleMania could have had the Thunderdome and it would have been great. Yeah, I, I'm okay with them doing it in the empty arena. Like, it's WrestleMania. Like, I think the name still carries enough clout. And I think with the two cinematic matches, they had that little special feeling to it still. But uh, I, I'm loving, I think, that SummerSlam was the right time to pull this out. It's the second second or third biggest show of the year, depending on where you view the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think it's great. I, I wanted to keep doing what they're doing with it. Uh, now, between AEW being outdoors... And the WWE and the Thunderdome wrestling is feeling less boring again. One last question before we throw it to Steve. Um, <laughs> do you find it silly or funny that they still put up the uh, the, the security barricade? I, love I mean, it. I, I mean, who's who's jumping over that thing? <laughs> I love it, man. It's got to keep retribution out. Those guys are badasses. <laughs> All right. Without further ado. I'm going to throw it over to a friend of the show, Steve Bourne. He is going to talk about his experience being inside of the Thunderdome. When we come back after that, we are going to jump right into the top seven SummerSlam tag team matches of all time. Joining us right now for a little exclusive scoop here on Count It Out. We have the one and only Steve, host of the E8 podcast. Make sure you check that out on Spotify. Steve, man, thanks for joining us. How you doing, buddy? Oh, not too bad. Uh, Tyler, how you doing, bud? Ah, uh, man, we're doing we're doing great over here. Um, I know SummerSlam just passed. You actually had the privilege or the experience, I guess, to be a part of the Thunderdome. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about it, man. How how was the overall experience? Would you rate it? Uh, it was out of ten, probably about a seven and a half, eight. Wow. Yeah, no, it was a cool experience because, um, they actually had had a a director who would like cut out the pay per view audio and come to you and actually tell you who to cheer for and make some noise, show your thumbs up, show your thumbs down. It was. It was like uh, being at a, a TV talk show and having almost an audience wrangler. It's like the uh, the applause applaud now sign coming on for the old like sitcom shows, right? Yeah, or uh, if anyone's been to like a David Letterman or anything like that taping, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, so I want to get into that in a in a minute here. Uh, just give me an overall rundown of, of how you even got into the Thunderdome. What's the process like to to get into the Thunderdome? Well, you have to basically be uh, aware of the social media like twitter and stuff like that because they'll pop up say yeah sign up now and then it just asks for your uh, name email and if you get it there in time they said we'll uh, send you a link um at a certain time the day of and i got my email around three thirty on sunday saying this is your call time which mine was around quarter after six okay and it says, click on this link at this time and you'll be up. So I was basically up for the uh, pre-show and uh, the first half of the show. And then they, but they actually keep you on the entire time in case they flash to uh, put your screen up ahead of time. Okay. So, so with that, like, um, do you get to stay on for the whole show at that point? Or are you only on for a certain amount of time and they keep rotating? Like, how, how does that work? Yeah, they kept rotating. Um for the crowd you see at the Thunderdome, it's not everybody who's in. They do rotate through. So I wouldn't be surprised if all the screens you see, the actual people who are on is probably double, maybe even triple that. 
oh wow okay um so so tell me a little bit more about this um kind of like director type of thing then uh is, is are you hearing that the whole time are you only hearing that if you're inside the thunderdome yeah if you're basically as long as you're logged in is basically what they do is they have you're seeing the pay-per-view you've got the regular commentary and then in the bottom corner you see yourself and they actually have a little dotted outline so that you can actually center yourself oh nice and then basically what they'll do is uh, during when the director wants to say let's cheer let's boo and then they'll have the advisories of don't shake your camera or don't put your finger in front of the camera sort of thing they do that during uh, promo packages Okay, and I, I'm going to assume that there's probably a whole bunch of rules that you got to follow. Uh, no, no AEW stuff. I would assume wear your WWE merchandise. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it was very. There's a quite a few terms and conditions. It's um, make sure you're wearing clothing, preferably yeah. WWE <laughs> licensed merch. Um, nothing disparaging stuff like that. It's it's standard stuff. Like if you're going to a WWE show, sort of deal. Except uh, you're sitting in the Thunderdome and the beer is a hell of a lot cheaper, right? Exactly. Whatever they're charging at the LCBO or beer store. That's cool. So did you find it a little bit strange when they were telling you who to cheer for? I know there's been a lot of backlash online about that. I don't really get the big deal about it. I, I Whatever, right? It's not like you have to follow that instruction, right? Exactly. I mean, it, it was a cool experience just because it's still relatively brand new. But mm, yeah, you're one of the first, right? Yeah, second show they've done it. Um, but it, at least it, it was a cool experience. I don't know if I would try to apply every single time. Um, but SummerSlam was uh, definitely a cool one to do. So are you are you going to count that you've officially been to uh, a SummerSlam 2020? Are you saying you officially yeah, were in the say. building, right? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to say that's the third pay-per-view I've ever been to. I would count it too, man. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm gonna say Unforgiven 06. Sorry, Mike, best Canadian pay per view of all time. Um, I know. I he didn't even put it on his list. Like, Mike, are you yeah, kidding me? Yeah, don't get me started. I was driving when I when I heard that and almost went off the damn road. Um, I almost had to get a new co-host. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I, I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, double duty. Not only can you do the E8, but you can come over and jump on with Count It Out as well, right? E- exactly. Uh, I, I was I was right behind Jair and the King for that. Oh, I know. Was- I have it on DVD. Plus, it's uh, on the network on demand here, Kojiko, um, for in uh, Stony Creek, and I've seen it. Oh, well, you can see Panis and I. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, because uh, we got uh, tickets that we're facing the camera. Bang on! I'm wearing a DX shirt. Uh, oh, beautiful. I'm wearing a gray shirt. You can see us uh, like 30, 40 times during the show. Well, I don't know if you uh, were able to hear much of our live show, but after Mike's Randy Orton list, uh, that's not the first Canadian, that Canadian pay-per-view one's not the first list he's gotten wrong. I've got to throw a little jab at Mike there. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to listen to it. It's definitely going to be on the drive to work this week. Um, But um, that RKO he hit on Carlito at Unforgiven 06 still got me out of my chair. Absolutely. Yeah, you had a TLC match. You had a Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. I don't know what more he could have wanted in the pay-per-view. Yeah. Trisha's retirement. That's right. That's right. Trisha's retirement. Probably one um, of the best RKO's Orton's ever done. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to I wanna, uh, throw back over to the Thunderdome for yeah. a minute here. I got a couple more questions on it. Were you able to see yourself on TV at all? Did you, Do you have any idea where you would be in the building, or is it just kind of a fluke if you see yourself? It's kind of a fluke if you see yourself. I was actually, I actually have a, 
a replica of the uh, old uh, winged eagle WWF uh, title belt, though basically oh, nice. Bret Hart's Bret Hart's uh, belt. One of the best ever. Yeah, and I got it for uh, for my Halloween uh, costume last year, and I had it over my shoulder during the intro, and I was like tapping it and whatever, seemed just to see myself. And I think I saw myself in the front row tapping it a couple of times. So, oh wow, yeah, and I was, should, uh... I was wearing a Bray Wyatt uh, fiend. Uh, t-shirt that actually kind of almost looks like a slipknot shirt um and so yeah i know i recognize myself a couple of times i thought it was pretty cool nice especially well, I guess you're happy with live. the main event then when you're watching it live it's a cool experience yeah well if you if you happen to uh see yourself send me a screen capture we'll post it up on our facebook page to help promote this yeah i'll uh oh since i do obviously i have the network i'll uh, go out and see if i can freeze it take a picture so I'm going to ask you two more questions here, and then I want you to, to plug the E8 podcast because it, it really is an incredible podcast that you and uh, Griff are doing over there. Thank you. Uh, would you enter the Thunderdome again? I would. Um, just to see uh, any changes or any updates or how they're modernizing it or if it's just now standard, uh, this is what we do sort of thing. Okay, and I, I'm going to give you a two-parter here, okay? okay. What, was, uh, what was the match of the night at SummerSlam for you? And then when you answer that, I'll, I'll hit you with our, our wrap-up question. Match of the night to me, I think, uh, was probably Asuka versus uh, Sasha, especially yeah. that uh, the powerbomb. Oh, my God. That was I, I don't know how Asuka didn't have a concussion from that. I mean, that was that was just a sick thump. But, uh, yeah, no, no, that was... Uh, yeah, that was crazy. I, I don't even know how to put that into words. You got me stumbling over my words just thinking about that bump again. Yeah, it's just uh, it, it was done so flawlessly. <laughs> so the final question I have for you here, and then we're going to talk about the A podcast really quickly. Okay. Uh, as as this is going to play on our on our next list, we are counting down the top seven SummerSlam tag team matches of all time. Oh, okay. So this is my list this week. So Ooh, what, a tough one. Off, off the top of your head, give me give me a couple of your favorite SummerSlam tag team matches. I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah. I didn't tell you this one before, so you're you're just gonna have to off the top of your head go on it. Um, I'm gonna say ninety. I think it was what ninety three. This Steiners versus Heavenly Bodies. I good. like the deep cut on that. That match was awesome. Yeah. Um. There was also uh, I guess it was uh SummerSlam uh nineteen ninety one. The one in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, LD versus the Nasties. Yeah, they had a slugfest as well. That was no DQ for the tag team championship with LOD winning their first WWF titles. And, the titles. First, and I think the probably the best was TLC 2000. Yeah. Now for for the the list, I just kept it to straight up tag team straight matches. But matches, yeah. if I if I went into the six mans and the TLCs and the multi man, I think TLC is number one hands down. Right? Yeah, TLC 2000. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you joining us. Tell me a little bit and then tell the listeners a little bit about the E8 podcast that you got going on. Because like I said earlier, you guys are doing an awesome job. You have a great idea there. Uh, run it run it down a little bit. Tell us what you do. Okay, so it's uh, basically it's a sports countdown list. Very similar to what you and Mike have, but we uh, count down eight uh, certain things in uh, in sports. It can be just a simple GOAT list. Uh, it can be – we've done uh, uh, greatest upsets, and it's basically – Griff and I exchange. It's very again similar to what you and Mike do, um, where it's just one of us will do a list because we started doing simultaneous lists, but they got too similar and there wasn't much touch yeah. for discussion. So one of yeah, us Mike and I had the same problem. Yeah, 
So we did one list and then uh, we just will either criticize or um, we'll bring up certain uh, different uh, talking points and uh, we go off on t uh, some tangents, but um, it's more to, uh, I don't know, educate the masses, but, or just educate ourselves more than anything else. Awesome, and, man. Uh, well, we're, we're on a slight hiatus right now, just because um, my, I've, I'm back to work and uh, our uh, hours just aren't lining up right now, but Griffin, I yep. talked about it and probably this weekend we're going to start uh, working back on a, on a, oh, that's back, awesome, man. On a back to work plan sort of deal. <laughs> well, that's good, man. Keep doing what you guys are doing. You guys are killing it. It's a great podcast. If you guys like sports, uh, Steve is just as knowledgeable, if not more about sports than he is with wrestling and, knowing you for as long as i've known you my friend you got a hell of a wrestling knowledge in you so keep up the good work with you and griff really appreciate you coming on and uh, talking a little thunderdome with us and you guys our listeners keep an eye out because steve and i are going to be sitting down to do a watch along uh, as soon as him and i can line up our schedules well thank you my friend you guys uh, you and mike are doing a great job as well it's always uh, fun listening to you guys banter and hearing him being wrong oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, I appreciate you joining in, man. Uh, you guys that are listening, stay tuned because we're going to be throwing it to the top seven SummerSlam tag team matches right after this. Well, thanks again to Steve for joining us for that interview. Uh, I do agree with him that Unforgiven should have been on your list, Mike, and uh, suck it. But speaking of lists, it's time for us to get into our list. What do you think, buddy? Yeah, this is a list we uh, we meant to do uh, before SummerSlam. It just didn't happen. And uh, I'm okay with it being, uh, being now because uh, if I'm not mistaken, like it's got to be the anniversary of one of those summer slams that you're going to talk about this week anyways. So, sure, it all, so it all works out. I'm sure it is. And, and, you know, let's just talk a little bit about the history of tag team wrestling and SummerSlam. Uh, yes. Very, very rich history. You know, the first two summer slams were main evented by tag team matches. Um, uh, as anyone who listens to the show must know by now, I am a massive fan of tag team wrestling. So, I was really excited for this list, and and I think I put together a, a pretty damn good list for everybody. Well, I'm excited to hear it. Uh, I didn't go back and watch a lot of the old because my my list this uh, uh, my SummerSlam list this year was Randy Orton, so I only had to go as far back as 2003 to watch that shit. Yeah, yeah. So but you you went all the way back to the 80s, and I haven't watched a lot of these events in a long time so it's going to be cool to, to hear about some of these yeah you know what i forgot how good some of these was there was a couple that i had in my mind that didn't quite hold up like i remembered them holding up uh, which was a little bit disappointing it kind of threw my my list for, for a big <laughs> loop but uh, seems to happen a lot i think i think overall i think i nailed it i think i really nailed it all right well without further ado let's do this man uh, let's start off with your number seven my number seven we are going to go back to not only the very first ever SummerSlam, 
but also the first ever match in the history of SummerSlam. And we're talking about the British Bulldogs versus the Rougeau brothers from 1988 in Madison Square Garden. Fantastic. Um, it has been a long time since I've watched this match. You're going to have to kind of uh, walk me through this because I don't remember it at all. Um, so was, the, was there anything on the line for this? Uh, was it just a, an exhibition match? What's the story? Yeah, it was just two, two tag teams in the company vying to compete to get into title contention, I guess. Uh, the Bulldogs were kind of on their way out of the company at this time. Um, I think they were they finish up at the next pay-per-view Survivor Series. The Rougeau brothers are pretty new to the heel thing here. They've just kind of linked up with Jimmy Hart. And they're pushing this awesome gimmick where they're moving to the United States of America. Yeah, yeah I love that. How great is it? That, like, you would think that Americans would love this. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're leaving Canada. Fuck Canada. Come to the States. But the Rougeaus are so good at being you know, assholes yeah. that America was like, we don't want you guys. Like, you know, the Russians yeah. are great. They come out with these little tiny American flags, like these paper sticked American flags. Like, oh man. It, it was Jacques Rougeau himself. I don't think Jacques gets enough uh, credit for being the heel he was. No, absolutely not. And you know what? Raymond gets lost even more than Jacques. Like, they absolutely they Be- because, because Jacques at least. You know, Jacques went on to to have uh, a singles career and then another very successful tag run. Yeah, uh, yeah. where where Ray really, you know, outside outside of the um, outside of the Rougeos, Ray didn't do a whole lot in the WWF. So people kind of forget about him, um, other than you know being the voice of RDS. Yeah, no, absolutely, and. Uh, the Rougeos, just in general, they just do so many little things as a heel tag team. And not just Jock. You know, Jock was a great heel. Um, and just some of the things that I, I've got, I'm going to talk about in a little bit here, about just their little heel mannerisms I really enjoyed. And I don't know, I, I think maybe there was a better match that I could have put on this list. But I think this is the right start to the list, being the first match with two of the best tag teams uh, you know, in the company and putting on a very great tag team match and my god were the british bulldogs over in 1988 yeah but yeah and and, and it's funny to think that that uh davy would only his stock would only rise yeah you know you 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 watch that reaction in 88 and think okay he's never gonna get bigger than this and his stock only rises unfortunately can't really say the same thing about dynamite well, but uh, this Dynamite is kind of the... in, he was in bad shape, Mike. Dynamite. Well, that's it. This is this is the peak of his career, I'd say. Yeah, I I don't know if it was um I, I believe it was a uh, at the beginning of the year. Dino's back went out on him, right in Hamilton. Right. And yeah. and he and you would never be able to tell though how bad a shape Dynamite kid was actually in by watching him in the ring tonight. It's actually one of the one of the points I have written down here. Uh, just you know, like some things the Rougeos do, like um. Jock is getting beat up by Davy Boy, and he tags in Ray. And before Ray comes in the ring, he hugs Jock to make sure he's okay. And the crowd is just furious about it. Like I love stuff like that, man. It's just yeah. so so fun. Um, Dynamite is just awesome in this match. The Bulldogs just show you what tag team wrestling is all about. They've got the ring cut off, quick tags, fast double team moves. You know the Rougeos would just be in heels, cheating to try to get the advantage. 
Um, they, they do a great job of working over Davy Boy's leg for a while. Uh, the pace slowed down, but it was like the Rougeos were so good at working and being heels that it never got boring. And the crowd was just really into it the whole time. Um, I dare anybody, Mike, to find me a better snap suplex than the Dynamite Kid. Oh, 100%. I have said that in the past. Even, uh, even Benoit himself, I don't think, quite got it. No, no. And Benoit was pretty close. He'd probably be the second closest. He, but Probably. And you know what? I'm glad you mentioned Benoit there because just watching the Dynamite Kid, you can see how many people... He yeah. influenced, you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, your Benoit's. I would say guys even like Tyson Dukes on the indies. Like, oh, all the small guys. He he pioneered all these small guys. Bret Hart was influenced by Dynamite Kid, you know? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this match ended, uh, it, it was kind of whatever. It ended in a 20-minute um, a time limit draw. Uh, the Bulldogs looked like they were about to have the win. They did this great move where Davy Boy press slammed Dynamite over his head and dropped him down for a diving headbutt just as time expired. Uh, they went to shake hands after, and the Rougeos kind of slapped him in the face, and they all fucked off to the back. Just thought it was a really great, classic tag team match with four guys that are the master of being in a tag team. That is a great way, when you're, when you're putting out one of the first, you know, huge pay-per-views, that's a great way to open it, I'll tell you that. One well, something else that's kind of fun too, and you know, going and seeing the history that happens. There was a major backstage altercation real shortly after this match between the Dynamite Kid and the Rougeau brothers, right? Yeah, I remember hearing rumor of that. Yeah. So basically, um, Dynamite did something. He thought the Rougeau brothers ribbed him, and and he kind of slapped Jock around a little bit in front of all the boys, and, and slapped Ray around a little bit. And and the Rougeaus are they're pretty tough guys, man. Like Ray Rougeau yeah, is right. a gold club boxing champion. And you know that there's always been, you know, the Rougeaus are connected in the Montreal mob scene, right? So, you know, those mm-hmm. are the guys you want to mess around with. And apparently the the next TV taping, uh, Jacques was standing in the hallway as Dynamite walked by and he had a pair of brass knuckles on and he punched all Dynamite's teeth out. Yeah. And uh, and that's why you see at the Survivor Series, the Bulldogs or the Rougeos, I can't remember which one, they get eliminated very quickly. And that was it. The Rougeos were, they were, sorry, the Bulldogs left after that. Yeah. But Dynamite tells a great story in his book about this, about how uh, he had to have a sit-down meeting with Vince. And he was pissed and said, you know, it cost me four grand to get my teeth fixed. And so Vince made Jacques pay him. And then Dynamite just had a buddy that was a dentist that fixed his teeth for free. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so thought that was uh thought that was a that is pretty story. funny all right i think for my number six here we're gonna go a little more present we're gonna go to one of my favorite summer slams of all time that's gonna be summer slam in 2002 and we're going booker t and gold dust against christian and lance storm the un-americans it shows how old we are man the fact that you you call something 18 years ago present <laughs> yeah i guess so <laughs> shit eh? Uh, this is just a great summer, Sam. I have fond memories of pretty much every match on this card. It is a good this, card, yeah. This is one of those tag matches. That, this is one of those matches that get lost in the shuffle, getting overshadowed by Rock and Brock and Sean's comeback. Um, Kurt and, and Rey Mysterio put on a clinic to open this one up. But, but man, like, how fun were Booker T and Goldust together? They were a fun tag team. 
they were. And and they were over, man. Like the crowd was really into it. They were doing all those fun vignettes at the time. Um, and I really like Christian and Landstorm as a tag team. Not so much a fan of the un-American gimmick per se, but I, right. I really enjoyed them together as a team. Yeah, so do I. And, so and do let, I. Let's talk about a guy that's still going right now, and, and that's Goldust. He's the only guy still active in all of this. He, yeah. uh, and he's, he's been wrestling he's, longer than anybody there. Is it fair to say that Goldust is underrated? Like Dustin Goldust. Okay, I I I don't know. Um, Underrated in the sense that he's never gotten that that you know top tier level, maybe. But I would never say underrated in recognition. You will never talk to anybody who will say to you, "Oh, that Goldust guy. Yeah, um, yeah, he's okay." You know what I mean? Like, like Goldust is recognized as one of the greatest. Okay, Dustin Reynolds is recognized as one of the greatest workers in history. Goldust is recognized as one of the greatest gimmicks in WWE history. Yeah, and anybody will tell you that. So I don't. I wouldn't call him underrated. Uh, I would call him underutilized. But how much? How how much is underappreciated by who? Uh, I think by, I, I don't want to say us wrestling fans, because I think that a lot of us do respect him. I but I so. feel like when we talk about like all these awesome people, I think he's a guy that gets lost in between a lot of other people that were a little bit more famous. But I, from well, you know what? And I think that's because it's easier to talk about the guys who grabbed that that belt, who grabbed that that main event uh, uh, status. Yeah. And, and you know you know what it is? I'm sorry, I hate to say it, and this is not the shit I mean who had problems of his own, but maybe if he didn't have those personal issues, he would have had that 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 tier. Yeah, possibly. I would okay. like us to do a so, deep dive on Dustin one day. I'd like us to get into a top seven Dustin Rhodes. I would love that. I would love that. I'm not a fan of the man himself. I've had some big problems with his uh with his uh presence on social media and some of the things he has said out loud. Okay. Uh, I don't think he is a good person, <laughs> but he is and always will be one of my favorites to ever to ever step in front of a uh, professional wrestling camera. That's fair. I don't know a lot about his social media presence. I, I saw he was very um, proactive and, and pro-transgender. I think his son or daughter is transgender. That, that part I love, but I think the only reason he's uh, he's, he, he has that stance is because it's somebody in his life. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I had an uh, an entire episode of Lasting Mark uh, about a year or so ago, um, dedicated to something that he had talked about, uh, basically saying some very awful things about people who suffer from PTSD, oh, yeah. and, and uh, being as someone who not only has uh, uh, dealt with PTSD, uh, I have people in my life who do, uh, deal with PTSD, and it was very. Um, it was very shocking and disheartening to see somebody you admire talk like that. And then, yeah. of course, since then, uh, you know, you you, uh, you see how insanely pro-Trump the man is, and uh, uh, he's he's just your your average Texas redneck hillbilly cousin fucker, <laughs> you know. Fair. However, that's that that is my personal opinion. Uh, but but as a wrestling fan. 
it doesn't come better than Dustin Reynolds and Gold Dust in all his. You want to talk? We, you and I have discussed so many times guys who can reinvent themselves in the ring, you know, all the time. How do you reinvent yourself with a gimmick like that? Yeah, and he did it. But he did it. He did it so many times. There's so many different variations of that character. Um, some were awesome. Some were, eh. I was never a fan of the whole um, Tourette's thing after he got electrocuted. I It was very offensive in hindsight, but fuck, he was really fun doing it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was, never, I was he, never a big fan of that, but everything else he did uh right from the beginning his very first heel run uh to his stuff with ahmed johnson and razor ramon uh to his stuff his stuff with roddy you know so good and then you bring him up a, a year later and you do the whole angle with marlena and then you bring in luna and you do the the whole um uh artist formerly known as gold dust stuff it was all gold all of it that guy also has some of the best punches in the business Oh, definitely. You believe yeah. his punches. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and let's take, take a look at the four guys, though, that are in this ring, though. You want to talk about tag team. All fashion. legends. All well, legends. Even, even beyond being legends, let's take a look at their tag team credentials. Lance Storm, yeah. Impact Players, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Christian, has he ever in a tag team? You ever hear a guy named Edge? I guess him and, uh, him and Edge were pretty good. Him and Jericho had great tag team runs. You know what I mean? Uh, Booker T, part of Harlem Heat. Goldust has had tag team runs with anyone from Ricky Steamboat. Um, uh, who was the other one? I just slipped my mind. I think Shane, uh, not Shane Douglas, sorry. Uh, Barry Windham, there it is. You know, WCW, he had a lot of tag team championship runs. Like, these guys know how to get it done in a tag team match. And this match, it shows that it was a little bit shorter. Um, but they did so many fun, old school uh, heel stopping the baby face, baby face spots, cutting off the... Uh, Right before the hot tag's about to come, running in and distracting the referee so the ref misses the tag, um, distracting the referee again. Like, I just like stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gold Dust is such a great, sympathetic seller, too. He gets the crowd just behind him. Uh, Booker cleans house after the hot tag. You know, he storms got like the referee. He, he hit the ref with a drop kick by accident, took him out which allowed ta- Booker had the win with the axe kick, Spinner-Rooney, crowd's going nuts. And as soon as he gets up, Test runs out, hits him with a big boot and steals the win for the heels. I like dirty heel bastard tag matches. <laughs> Can I say, I've never, I'm, I'm not a huge uh, uh, Booker T fan. I never have been. But yeah. I will say, I've always loved that that axe kick. Yeah, man, when Booker gets such, going such a, a good move. Tag, Yes. He's got, he's got some good moves in his arsenal, too. He's always been good, whether it's tag or singles. He's always been good at that comeback, especially when he's when he's playing face. He's always been good at that at that at that baby face comeback. And I've always loved that. Yeah, no, absolutely. OK, so maybe 18 years ago isn't present day. But my number five, <laughs> we're going to go back to 2017. How about that? There we go. That's a little bit more present. We're going to go with The Bar versus the newly reunited Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. Love this match. Yeah. Love this and, match. You want, Okay, you want to talk underrated? The Bar. Oh, yeah. And I, I've got that actually as my second note here. The Bar were so good, they will never be rewarded as a team that they should be. Absolutely. You took two of the best 
in-ring workers that WWE had at the time. You put them in a tag team. They killed it as a tag team, not only in the ring, but they were a fun team. Well, and you know they, what? Though? They were just so good. And they didn't just get thrown together. You know, there was a storyline behind that. They were feuding with each other. They were in the exactly. middle of a best of seven feud against each other, and they yeah. gained respect for each other, and they started teaming up. Exactly. Um, and, and I don't know. They were they were so good. The music fit. the 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 entrance. The their little pose they they did. The the fact that they both wore the kilts. I loved every bit of it. Every bit of this team had me going. And they uh, unfortunately just you know it, 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 they didn't continue it after the injuries and stuff like that. But yeah, but you know what? I think they kind of ran their course also too. They fought everybody and they had classics with everybody, right? Yeah. And you want to talk about great angles. You know, we just talked about how the bar got put together off a good angle. Well, how about the reuniting of Rollins and Ambrose? I thought this right. was done beautifully. Slow teases every week. Um, because I, I love how much Ambrose hated Rollins for breaking up the shield. You know, yeah. you, you believed it. He was all over him for, for the better part of a year, costing him the money in the bank stuff. And, you know, they finally they finally kind of veered off into different directions. And even though, like, um, I think Rollins would be getting beat up one night, and, or Ambrose would be getting beat up, and Rollins kind of saved him. But they were never, like, saving each other. They just both commonly hated the bar. You know what I mean? Like Very, uh, very similar to the way Sean and uh, Hunter got back together. Yeah. You know, actually, it, it was it, kind of... Very similar. Good call it was kind of... They, they, they were kind of... Uh, they were both feuding with the McMahons, and it just kind of happened that way. But... Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, and that's not me saying they ripped it off or ever, uh, you know, as long as you can, you know, everything's been done already. So yeah. as long as you can do it and tell it in a different way and do it and do it and make it special, go well, for it. And they definitely story, did. To tell a story in this modern era of professional wrestling, you got to tip your hat to these guys, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you, they built this up over almost a four week period of, you know, the slow build one week, one of them would put the fist out. Let's do it. The one would walk away. Then the next week, you know, after a week thinking about it, okay, Ambrose will put his fists out, and Rollins is like, nah, I'm out of here. Like, I just love the way, and then finally they got on the same page. The crowd lost their mind, right? Like, everyone loved the Shield. Yeah. And they didn't miss a beat in this match, too, you know? They they didn't team up for two or three years, four years at this point. You know, double team moves, quick tags. They looked great. They looked great they in this match. Great. You and would then, have you know, never known they weren't tagging all that time. Yeah, yeah, and and then the heels take over. You know, uh, I think Seth got laid out with a bro kick on the outside. The bar is just so physical, just so physical. One spot that I got a kick out of, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about uh, before we interviewed Steve in the the Thunderdome of how ass, asshole fans can be. The beach ball mania took over. Do you oh, remember that? Yeah, that pissed me off. And the crowd was just throwing a beach ball around and not paying attention. And Cesaro just snapshot and ran into the crowd and grabbed the beach ball and ripped it up. Like, what yep. a great heel move, though. Good God for you, right. Cesaro. I thought it was fantastic. Oh, and that was a shoot, too. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he was pissed. Yeah, and I, I just put, I just put, you know, um, wrestling fans suck. <laughs> that, that was my yeah. comment. That was you my know? comment. Um, great, great finishing sequence. The match breaks down after Ambrose hits the hot tag. All four men are in. There's double suicide dives, hard hitting between Ambrose and Cesaro. They're beating the hell out of each other. They had a great near fall. 
Uh, it was kind of like the old power and glory move. It was a superplex into a frog splash by Rollins. And then um, Cesaro did the big swing. Uh, it just the, the finish, I believe, they, the Cesaro had him up for, uh, or sorry, Sheamus had him up for, what's that move, uh, White Plains or something, where he's white noise, where he's got him. Um, either way, the, Cesaro yeah, yeah. was going to come off the top. Rollins broke it up. The, the faces take the win. It, it was just a fantastic, uh, fantastic finish. Uh, as I talk to you off air, I lost some of my notes, Mike, so I got a little choppy on that. One. <laughs> it, it was, uh, yeah, no, it was definitely a great uh, moment for modern wrestling. Like, like in a time where you don't get a whole lot of uh, feel good moments like that, that definitely was one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I got a bit of a deep cut for my number four. All right, we're going to 1993, and we're doing the hey. Steiner Brothers versus the Heavenly Bodies. Nice. Okay. This match is awesome, man. Like, like if you have not watched this match in a long time, get in there, check out the Steiner brothers from the heavenly bodies. 93. It's a pretty quick match, but it is all action. The crowd is hot because the Steiners are the hometown boys in it. There's actually a really funny Todd Pentengill interviews, uh, the Steiner's mom and sister at the beginning. And the sister keeps calling them by their shoot names instead of their working names. It's really funny. Well, isn't, isn't Rick, what is Rick's real name? They, they dropped them by their, their, their shoot last names because Steiner isn't their, oh, Steiner, cause their, their last, last name. Because their last name is Rick Steiner. Yeah, and, and Rick, yeah. I, think Rob, I think Rick is, uh, I think Rick's real name is Rob. Rob, right. So and Scott is Scott. Rob. Yeah, and she keeps calling him Robbie during the interview. It's really funny. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and, 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 then, and, that, and that shit didn't play back then. That's why no, I was, no, that, just, that was extra funny. Pretend, like, I think they cut them off slowly. Uh, <laughs> It's like I'm watching this, and and Vince doesn't even know who the fucking Heavenly Bodies names are. Like he had to get bailed out by on what Jimmy Del Rey's name was. He like it was pretty oh funny. God, but this was good though. This was the Bodies' first real big match in the WWF, and and they came out fired up. They jumped the Steiners at uh, at the beginning, and man, they've just fucked up Rick Steiner at the beginning. Like they beat the shit out of him. Like great tag team moves. Scotty came in and took everybody out. Scott Steiner was just awesome in this match, man. He's throwing people around with belly-to-belly suplexes, massive tilt-the-world slams. Like, I get why people saw what they saw in Scott Steiner in the early 90s. Definitely. In the early 90s, definitely, yes. Did you ever hear the story about Pat Patterson in 93 with Scott Steiner? (laughs) Like, do I want to? <laughs> don't not there, Mike. Not there. <laughs> when when the Steiners debuted, Patterson wanted Scott to debut at Rumble '93 and win the Rumble. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, here's a question for you, Mike. Do you think the Steiner brothers of the tag team are overrated, underrated, or they get remembered just perfectly? I think they get remembered just perfectly. I think so too. I think so too. I, they had some classic matches. They're a top ten best tag team of all time, right? Because they they would already be in the Hall of Fame if if, if Scott if Scott would have allowed them. Well, Scott said no. Scott Scott has, Scott has no uh, uh, no love for the Hall of Fame. No love for Vince McMahon. Doesn't want to be part of it, and that, and that's fine. But but you know, people are saying, oh yeah, you know, they're not recognized because they're not in the Hall of Fame. Well, they would be. So yeah, so you have to take that into into consideration. So yeah, no, I I think they're exactly where they need to be in in, uh, 
in history. If we were doing a, a top seven tag team, I don't think they're on my seven. I think they might hit my seven. I think they might be my number seven. That's just going off the top of my head. They might, they might make a top ten, maybe. They're in my but, top ten for sure. But uh, and that's not me shitting on them. That's just me me saying that there's seven other tag teams that I like better than them. These guys, um, are, these guys are decorated though. My tag team championships and uh, WWF, WCW, the NWA, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like that's impressive, man. Yeah, right. No, they are one of the greatest. They definitely are one of the greatest. Let's talk about someone who was not one of the greatest. Jimmy Del Rey. <laughs> he tried. He, he looks like a dirty fucking caveman. <laughs> you know what, though? The guy could move in the ring. But, my God, he looks like he rolled off of a park bench and walked into the ring. Which he is hilarious, because who who thought to give him that gimmick? I think that like, was the point of it. He's just, we're going to make you a guy. Dirt. <laughs> doing the rick rude fucking rub rick rude val venus rub your body hip shakes it's hilarious man oh uh i will say this too here's a point this is a, what i what i think about scott steiner if brock lesnar lives in suplex city then scott steiner is the founder or the mayor or the you know what i mean like of suplex city because his <laughs> suplexes Below Brock Lesnar's away, Scotty was crazy. All right, okay. Now I'm gonna throw a challenge at you. Um, because I always said that there is one man who could out suplex Lesnar, and Taz. now you're saying it's Scotty. So now put Scotty against Taz. Um, Scotty, Scotty is I think the the first ever resident of Suplex City. I. Th- I think, I think that Taz's wide variety of suplexes blows Scotty's away. Uh, yeah. there, there's nobody that has a better repertoire of suplexes in the professional wrestling history than Taz. No. Um, I think Scotty's were more impressive because of how big he was and how he would throw away these big guys. Would, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think Taz and... Oh, that's tough, man. I, I think Taz is the greatest... There was a science behind guys. Taz's suplexes, man. Yeah, Taz... Taz was he he was the I think Taz is the the master of all suplexes. Uh but Scotty, man, Scotty had some nasty suplexes. I go Taz, Scotty, Brock. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and not that I even think Brock might be the best suplexer of all time. Like I think Benoit and Angle have better suplexes than Brock. You know, Dynamite Kid throws that snap suplex. He he did some dragon suplex. Yeah, I but I think uh I think Taz is the greatest suplex guy of all time. And let's not uh, let's not sleep on Kurt Henning here. Ah, oh, the perfect plex. Yeah, but that was just a finish. Though. He wasn't a suplex. Oh, guy. he he had a decent uh, a decent suplex as well. He did. Kurt was good. Hey, Barry Windham, the master of the superplex. Yeah, that'll be our future list. Uh, that'll be oh, a, there. a that's YouTube bonus list. Top seven suplex guys. That, no, that's a pretty good list, dude. I, we we could do a, a whole series of lists on moves. Because I'd love yeah. to do a, uh, I'd love to do a drop kick list. Oh, that'd be. Uh, you know, yeah, could even do a shooting star press list. You know what? Uh, I think a list like that would be pretty quick. We could probably do like a, a combo list there. Hey, look at us booking on air. You could do like the top <laughs> seven suplex guys. I could do the top seven drop kick guys in the same episode. That's very true. Uh, but then again, we ramble, so probably fucking not. But uh, <laughs> speaking of rambling, I'll bring this one home. The Frankensteiner was fucking awesome. Was a great movie, yes. Oh man, Scotty kills these guys with it. 
It's called the Frankensteiner. All right, if I get my notes together here so I can talk about my number three, we are going back to the inaugural SummerSlam. We are going to SummerSlam 88, and we're talking about the main event, baby, the Mega Bucks versus the Mega Powers. And we've already talked about the opener and the closer of this show. SummerSlam 88, and uh, I was talking to a friend of the show, uh, Jay, a little bit earlier this week, and he just rewatched his whole card. This one holds up, man. There's some real sleepers on that. He's been raving to me to watch a Jake the Snake versus Hercules match, which I'm going to watch it because I trust his judgment. But SummerSlam 90, SummerSlam 88 didn't happen in 1994. <laughs> he's, he's, I guess we're widening his, uh, his range here. <laughs> but uh, this match also, there, there was uh, SummerSlam 88 had four tag team matches on it, which I loved. And we'll talk about that in our honorable mentions. But let's talk about the main event of the first ever SummerSlam. Mega Bucks, Mega Powers. Um, the crowd was ready for this match. As soon as Howard Finkel announced that it was time for the main event, they got electric. It had a very special Madison Square Garden feel to the air that you can only get in Madison Square Garden. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Oh, Definitely. Uh, fun little twist with Jesse the Body Ventura as the special guest referee. Uh, big question going into the match. Did the Million Dollar Man buy off Jesse the Body Ventura? Ooh, we'll have to turn out and see. Gorilla's, <laughs> all, gorilla's all fired up. Gorilla Monsoon was great. He commentated with uh, Superstar Billy Graham, which was a pretty weird combo. I wasn't a big fan. Yeah, it was a weird combo, yeah. But Gorilla yeah. was great here. He's fired up just as the heels are making the entrance, going, you know, this is supposed to be a tag team match, and there's already four managers on the outside, or four guys out here. Because you had Virgil, you had Bobby, and you had the Mega Bucks, right? Uh, I will say, though, that the crowd was Macho Man City here. Yeah. Huge pop when his music hit. I really like the fact that Hogan came out to Macho's music as well. Yeah, because uh, you'd think Eagles would prevail and they would make two separate entrances, but they came out as a united front. And he let Macho walk out first. He led the yep. way. Uh, did you ever hear what the original main event Vince was trying to put together for SummerSlam 88 was? No. He wanted uh, Flair Savage for the world title. He was trying to get Flair to come over. Oh, Way back in 88, eh? Way back in 88. And Flair, Flair says it's one of the biggest career regrets that he's ever had is not going over and doing that. I wonder why Vince's idea was Flair Savage and not Flair Hogan. Um, I think maybe he thought it'd be better in ring. Savage was the champ at the time. They didn't they didn't do a lot of hot shot booking back then, right? I think yeah, it's Vince true. Vince still had Flair Hogan on his mind for Mania. Yeah. Uh, like I said at the beginning, this has got a big match feel for it, man. Macho, uh, Macho was great here. Jesse Ventura really tried his best to lay down the law here. Uh, he he moved all the tag ropes from the corners to different corners, and Hogan kind of came over and and you know tapped him. He's like, "What what are you doing?" And Ventura looked at him, put a finger right in his face, and said, "Get your hands off me!" Like you know, I'm the man here. Gorilla and Superstar blatantly called Jesse out on commentary going, I don't understand why he did that. A neutral corner is a neutral corner. Uh, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Like it kind of took away what they were trying to do to establish that Jesse was the man calling the shots in the ring, right? Yeah. Um, really quick, like surprising start to this match. Andre rushes Savage and just beats the shit 
like, he just it was weird like he just ran out there beat the shit out of him and then DiBiase got in the ring and Savage got up and he was fine and then <laughs> Oh, yeah, uh, it, was, it was interesting, but DiBiase gets in the ring and he immediately calls out Hogan and, and the crowd was still all about Hogan, you know, say what you want about how over Macho was, but Hogan was still their baby at this point, right? Yeah. Um, I love the little running forearm smash that Hogan does, like the axe bomb there, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I know exactly what I'm talking about, of course, yeah. It, it looks great, DiBiase sells it great, that was his Yeah, I was just about to say, DiBiase always sold that amazingly, yeah. yeah. And Hogan's such a bastard, man. He's always doing these eye rakes and back scratches. He's being, you know, whatever, right? Uh, but what I like is that they were working DiBiase over with the quick tags, and, and Hogan got cocky, and he tried to run over and catch Andre, and Andre caught him and laid him out. And then Macho got laid out as well by Andre, and, and the whole match changed. And they made Andre look strong. And as you know, at this point, Andre was in bad shape. Yeah, he was he was declining big time. Yeah, and then, you know, the pace slowed down when Andre got in there. But, man, these guys just made it look like Andre was torturing them, killing him. And the crowd is just losing their mind. You know, loud Hogan chants. They're getting them fired up. Um, DiBiase does a real sloppy color. And I love Gorilla Monsoon. One thing he always does is he calls people out. He gets mad about it, you know. Um, you're not gonna, you're not gonna beat a guy that way, like you know what I mean. Like uh, it's commentary yeah. done right. There is a yeah. way, like you know. Now the commentators will go off and make fun of these guys and bury them and whatever. This was him calling out a heel for being cocky. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, the crowd was ready for the hot tag. This match was just awesome, man. Like um, a sleeper spot has the crowd losing a double clothesline. The crowd is ready. They want Macho in. He comes in, clears the ring. Uh, DiBiase bumps like a million dollars for him and um, even like every time Andre came in the crowd would gasp with fear you know every time DiBiase would tag him in there was Andre had that aura about him because they did protect him and he just beats the fuck out of Macho again Um, (laughs) what's more what has a higher ratio rate Mike the million dollar man doing his second rope falling back elbow drop or Ric Flair doing anything off the top rope. <laughs> Have you ever seen DiBiase do this move? I, I can't picture it in my head. DiBiase stands on the second rope, looks right. over his shoulder. with the, He's facing the crowd, right? And then he looks over his shoulder and just falls backwards and tries to hit a back elbow drop. He's never hit it once. It's kind <laughs> of, I've uh... seen him do it. Didn't Foley have that thing going for a while where he never hit his elbow drop? Foley missed it for a while. Like, yeah. Um, when uh, when you get to the finish of this match, uh, Andre has cleared the ring. the The faces are on the outside. Uh, Elizabeth gets up on the apron. Bobby and Virgil are up on the aprons. Uh, and what does Elizabeth do? She rips her bottoms of her dress off. Hot damn! Let's go. Hot damn. She like and and the way the way that um, the heels sold this like DiBiase was selling this thing like he's never seen an ass before. <laughs> it was it just blew him away. Jesse had his jaw dropped. Bobby Heenan's losing his mind on the outside, and then you get like, uh, do you remember at WrestleMania 19 how Vince did that creepy eye thing when he was all bloody? <laughs> yeah. Well, all of a sudden the camera pans over, and here's Hogan and Macho. 
up on the on their it's like barely over the apron doing the mega power handshake you know what i mean yeah Yeah, that special awesome handshake they had they get in the ring they clear house andre gets taken out hogan lays out dbs with the leg drop puts his foot on his face savage smokes him with the elbow drop jesse's down one two he won't count the three because he's been paid off and savage slams his hand down for a three count what an awesome finish. What an awesome match this was. A uh, little, little, uh, little known fact, little trivia for you. That moment where, uh, where uh, Liz rips the bottoms of her dress off there. Yeah. That's the exact moment where uh, DiBiase found Jesus. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Maybe that's the moment that his wife found out there was something going on that shouldn't have been. <laughs> mm. um, I, I, I have a lot of memories of this match. I really do love this match. Um, I was not and am not a fan of the Jesse Ventura involvement. I I thought it just okay. Jesse tried too hard to get himself over, uh, yeah. which is what Jesse does, and uh, I don't know. It just it didn't feel right. Didn't didn't feel like there was a place for it. Um, he should have been sitting at the table with uh, with Gorilla instead of uh, uh, Superstar. Um, yeah, that that that's just my thing. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I did like the build up for this, where every week, uh, like there was a promo they did on Brother Love, where Jesse was being interviewed, and DiBiase came out and was talking to him, and just kept getting hundred dollar bills handed from Virgil and putting it in his inside pocket. I probably gave him like two grand. <laughs> I like the little things like that. You're right. Jesse does try to put himself over a little too much for my liking as well. Um, but overall, this match this match was not going to be on my list originally. Or if it was, it was probably going to be in that number seven, six spot. Upon so how did they make it all the way to three? Man, this match just, it, it was so much better than I remembered it being. Uh, a couple matches. Oh, so, so it was after the rewatch that, that you, yeah, you bumped it. Because okay, I always I have a rough idea, usually going in. And before I start my research of what I think is going to be that uh, a couple matches didn't live up to what I remembered them being. And this yeah. match has over exceeded what I remembered it being. Uh, there, cool. was, there was no questions, though, between my number two and my number one. Uh, and my number two, we're going to go to SummerSlam 1990. We're talking two out of three falls with the Hart Foundation versus Demolition. Yeah. Uh, this was really the last big match for Demolition. As, That's as right. Tank, yeah. Right. You know, mm-hmm. they, they had one more pay-per-view run, uh, uh, at least in a meaningful manner. They, they teamed up with Mr. Perfect at the Survivor Series. But uh, this was this was uh, towards the end for Axe. They had recently just bought Crush in. Um, yeah. Last last big hurrah for Demolition, as far as I'm concerned, as a tag team. Which is OK, because, you know, we got many years of, uh, of a great Barry Darso uh, singles run. Yeah, Repo Man. I, I'm a fan of Hole in One Barry Darso. <laughs> um, this this is by far though the two most over teams of this time period. This is the right oh, for sure. You know, uh, the Hart Foundation are arguably the greatest tag team of all time. Ar- arguably, ar- arguably yeah. the greatest tag team of all time. Uh, they're in. They're arguably, in that discussion. they're in that discussion. Oh, sure. they are 100 percent in the discussion. Yeah. Demolition, one of the greatest tag team champions in the history of the company, right? Absolutely. Yep. Uh, you know, and uh, this is the the Hart Foundation. Like they were just as over as like the Ultimate Warrior at this period, as far as I'm concerned, man. They were they were right there with them. Bret Hart was catching fire at this point. The crowd 
loved, loved, loved the Heart Foundation going into this. And and I like that they they didn't say which two members of Demolition would be fighting in this match until they got in the ring. Right. And I was a little disappointed. I wanted to be Axe and Smash just because I, you know, that's like my the sentimentalness of Demolition. But, you know, if Axe was getting in bad health at that point, then you put in the young crush in, in that spot, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was a good move. Um, I don't know if you knew this or not, but um, Bret Hart is really smooth in the ring. He's really good. Bret Hart. You ever heard of him? He's is this that, guy out of Calgary. Is that, young... is, that Bruce, is that Bruce's brother? That's Bruce Hart's brother. You nailed okay. it. Buddy. Okay, he, okay. Uh, you know, this is when they were really pushing that excellence of execution name on him, and, and it fit, man. He, he just looked incredible in this match. Um, the chemistry that Bret Hart and, and, and the Anvil have is just fantastic, right? Um, I, field- I was just about to say, this is a, a very brief period in time. Probably one of the only times in his career that the Anvil was a face. Uh, yeah, yeah. He did that failed little new foundation run with Owen, and then for the most part, he was a heel after that, right? Yeah. Um, and, it, and, like, he, and he and they were and the Heart Foundation were heels for the majority of their run, right? So, yeah, and they they only had a quick babyface run together. Yeah, as a tag team. it lasted. Uh, it actually started in '88 and it lasted until '91. Yeah, actually, I guess they were faces for more than they were heels because they really? turned they turned face uh, right at the the inaugural SummerSlam. They fought Demolition also and for the tag yeah. titles. That, that's funny because when I think of them. Uh, I, I of all my favorite matches from them, it's mostly the heel stuff. Well, that's when they worked the Bulldogs, right? Yeah, that's it. And right. and the B and the bees. You yeah, know, I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of the bees. Everybody knows that. So you to, are uh, yeah. So to uh, you know, and those were some of my favorite matches when they were up against the Heart Foundation. So the one thing I really like about the Heart Foundation too is just the differences between them. You've got Bret Hart coming in here, smooth as silk arm drags, body slams, submission expert. And then you got the anvil just coming in, clobbering the shit out of you, biting you. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I love tag teams that have that type of dynamic. Absolutely. Uh, the Philadelphia crowd, however, they were not buying into Crush. A lot of silence when he was in the ring. Um, your boy, Rowdy Piper, was on commentary, mm-hmm. which I know you're big fan of i like piper on commentary too but i want to i want to go back to crush for a minute question for you what is your favorite version of crush my favorite version of crush um i have a soft spot for nation crush yeah. i do Jail, jailbird uh, crush there Jailbird Crush, yeah, I do. I I have all, I really did enjoy this the the period of time he was there. Um, make fun of me all you want, but uh, Crush with Mister Fuji. Ah, uh, that's my favorite version of Crush. Okay, I I I I I think it had way more potential than it was given life. Yeah, but I uh, but I, but I always really like I always really like that. Uh, a lot. He was a better heel than he was a face. I never got into Kona Crush. No, I thought he had great entrance music. He did. He did. But uh, you know, the, the, as a heel though, like the stuff he even did with uh, with Randy Savage near the end of Savage's career was great fantastic. Stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. You know, and and Savage got believable. Savage got crushed over like a monster. Oh, for sure. 
so getting back to the match here, demolition. They take the first fall by hitting their little demolition finisher, the uh, the elbow off the second rope there. Uh, the second fall starts slow. Bret Hart is selling like he's dead, you know. Um, Bret Hart's selling is so good that even when I rewatched this match, I was excited to see the anvil get a hot tag. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like he, he Bret had me, and I'm 36 years old watching this again, you know. Uh, and God, when the anvil got in here, his stuff looked so good, man. Hitting those big shoulders, his forearms were great. Really beautiful power slam. The Hart Foundation take the second second fall by a really awkward disqualification. After they hit the heart attack, uh, Crush runs in and breaks up the two count by picking up the referee and like kind of throwing him into the corner. I think they should have just let the three count happen. It was really awkward. And it, it made for a very, um, a very slow start and a flat start to the third fall. And I think it's because of the disqualification. Um, you yeah. get a yeah, when the third fall does start though, the Heart Foundation do this spot. I don't know if you remembered or not. Um, they do this thing, it's like a reverse power slam, I guess. So the anvil will pick Bret Hart up like a power slam, but be holding him instead of his back facing the mat for his chest, and he'll yeah. slam him on top of the opponent. It okay, just after that right. happens, so Axe, Axe does sneak down and goes underneath the ring, sneaky heel Axe, right. Uh, and he makes a switcheroo, and now all of a sudden, Axe is in the ring. But you mean to tell me, though, that the referee cannot tell the difference between fucking Axe and Smash and Crush? Like, come on, yeah, Smash. exactly. Axe has got short yeah. fucking hair, and he's about a foot shorter than Crush. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so that was a little yeah, bit... That, that, I mean, that worked for some tag teams. It shouldn't have worked for them. And let's talk about Axe. You know, this is his second last pay-per-view. He finished up his last pay-per-view was at the Survivor Series the following month. But again, like we said, this is the last draw for Demolition. What a great run. What a great underrated career that Axe had. Yes. Yes. I don't think they were underrated as a team. I think I do think that he's underrated as a, as a professional wrestler. Oh, yeah. He had a great run as the mass superstar before that. Mm-hmm. Right? He was one of the machines when they'd had that gimmick with Andre the Giant under the hoods. Uh, I'm sorry, with who? Uh, this oh, guy no. named Andre the no, Giant. No, no, Andre wasn't one of the machines. Oh, he sorry, told giant, us he was. He told us machine. that was yeah. giant machine. Yeah, yeah. but Andre Maybe. told us he wasn't part of that. Well, let's hope Billy Kay is watching those footage too. Yeah, that's right, right? Um, you know, this match got built up good, and then you just hear the crowd come on glued, and you don't know why. And you know, demolitions looks like they're wrapping it up with the cheating, and all of a sudden the camera pans over, and here comes Hawk and Animal out with the shoulders pads on. And they're pulling the pads off. They pull out a crush from underneath the ring or axe, whatever one was under there at this point. Uh, They push off crush off the top rope. The the demolition are both distracted. Axe and smash are both distracted. The heart foundation lock up the win with the heart attack again. Just an awesome finish of this match. LOD was so over. This is, I believe, one of their debuts with the company, maybe. Okay. yeah, and the crowd now, is so ready for the Hearts to win. I was waiting for you to bring up the LOD's involvement in this match because I wanted to ask you a question. Yeah. Since we are talking about some of the greatest tag team wrestlers in the world, but uh, I want to know, if we're talking greatest tag finishers ever, is it fair to say that the heart, uh, the, the heart attack and the doomsday device might be tied together for number one? 
Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. All right. You want to know, I'm going to give you a deep cut here, and it's a team that was never never got their just due, and we're going to talk about in the honorable mention, and that's Power and Glory. Okay, yeah. They had a great Did they have finish. a great finisher? Yeah. They, they, they had it where Hercules would set up for a power slam, or sorry, a, a superplex, and Roma right. would run over to the top rope, and Hercules would superplex them, and the second that that guy hit the ground, Roma was hitting him with a splash. It looked incredible. Okay, that is pretty but cool. I, I will say the Doomsday Device has to be one of the greatest finishers of all time. And I, I always just love the, the, the speed and the smoothness of the heart attack. Oh, man. Brett, you, look, you know, he took oh, your head off with that close. Exactly. But at the same time, Anvil put you down where it looks nice and snug. I'm sure he really took care of it, but he looked like he fucking just made a goddamn mess of you. You know, it was so well done. You ever hear the story about uh, the strip club? No. Involving both of these guys. Oh, yes, and Vince McMahon was involved. Yeah, so I guess it was yeah, um, yeah. I guess it was right before they were gonna start the steroid testing again and the drug testing and stuff, right? So Vince went out with the boys to the Rippers and, and everyone was drinking and Vince was taking some finishers and the LOD LOD put him up there and they gave him this little baby pepper doomsday device, eh? And Brett looks over, and the anvil's sipping on his beer, and he looks all pissed off. And he looks over at Brett and goes, Heart Foundation would have fucking taken his head off. <laughs> <laughs> Brett says, the next thing you know, the anvil's got Vince up, hooked up for the Heart Foundation, the heart attack. And Brett said he took his head off. <laughs> <laughs> he, I he, heard... laid, he was laying there beside Vince after, kind of nervous, and Vince looked over at him and goes, you owe me a fucking beer, Hitman. <laughs> you know who I heard tell that story was uh, was Ch- was Charles Wright. Oh, really? Eh? Yeah, he was doing a shoot interview, and he told that story because he was at the club that night. Yeah. Brett, Brett tells a great story, but in his book, I think he also says it in his Hall of Fame speech as well. Uh, I think the night ended up, according to Brett's book, with uh, they all ended up partying. They got the key to Flair's room, even though Flair wasn't there, and Vince pissed on his bed, I think. Oh, That's Jesus. That's the rumor, according to Brett. No wonder he's good friends with the president. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, eh? All right, man. Well, that brings us to your number one. That's it. We are at the end of the list. Hopefully, it has not been a letdown so far. Um, as far as I'm concerned, there is no other choice for the number one. We are going to the very second ever SummerSlam in 1989. We're going back to the Hart Foundation, and they're taking on the Brain Busters. Yeah, um, two of the greatest tag teams in, not in like like just just ever. <laughs> like I think it's safe oh. to say you have three of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time and two of the greatest tag teams of all time. Poor Anvil, but yes, well, yeah, <laughs> you're yeah, right. Yeah, I know, I know. On Anvil, but you're talking about Arn Anderson, but, the greatest horseman of all time. Tully uh, Blanchard, the third greatest horseman of all time, and Bret Hart, shut. the greatest. Uh, um, one thing I want to say about this is I want to give a shout out to Tony Schiavone very rare Uh pay-per-view that Tony did for the WWF and I just thought that he I think he did two pay-per-views for the WWF in the 90s maybe three I don't remember I don't think he did Survivor Series but he did SummerSlam 89 and he did Royal Rumble 90 and I just thought it was some of the best work he's ever done in his career great he was great, and, and it gave a fresh feel to it. Him and Jesse had great chemistry together. Uh, this was the opener to the second ever SummerSlam as well. 
Uh, and what a way to start. You've got the newly crowned World Tag Team Champions, the Brain Busters. They're taking on the Heart Foundation. Uh, can you tell me a better way to start a pay-per-view than hearing that old school Heart Foundation right. music at this time period? And then, you know, the exactly. Brain Busters come out with no music, very old school. And I like something that Jesse the Body Ventura did. Because say what you want about Jesse when he's in the ring putting himself over. If Jesse liked you, he made you sound like a million bucks on commentary. And he was great on commentary. And especially like he was usually doing the heel stuff. So if you were a heel and you were a good heel, he was going to make you look fucking amazing. Unless your name was the Dynamite Kid because he was terrified of you. He also made him look amazing. But Jesse, <laughs> you know, Tony Schiavone's pissed. He goes, Jesse, why, why is this match not a title match? Because the Bane Busters had just won it, I think, a week or two before the pay-per-view. Jesse explains why it's not a title match, you know? This match, when it was signed, it wasn't a title match. Why would the Brain Busters want to defend these titles for no reason? He goes, he goes, what do they have to gain from this? He goes, you have everything to gain from this. And he, actually, he said this about the Heart Foundation. This is a lose-lose situation for the Heart Foundation. Because, yeah, if they win this match, they're going to get catapulted to be number one contenders. But if they lose this match they probably won't see another title shot for a whole year. And it was true. They didn't get a title shot for a whole year after losing this match. Like, how great is that? You know what I mean? Like, fucking makes sense to me, you know? Uh, that's when <laughs> when that kind of storytelling made sense. Like, and they, not don't, only that, that they don't like shit like that these days. That's, that's the sign of good announcing. I get so fired up because I think a lot of the announcers are too busy cracking jokes or putting themselves over. You know, when Corey Graves was in NXT, he was like Jesse. He was putting the talent over. And now Corey Graves is just, I think, too into himself to, to do that, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Also, I just want to say, Bret Hart and Tully Blanchard start this match off. Like, I felt like I died and went to heaven watching that. Holy shit. Man, I, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last match I talked about with the Hart Foundation, but Bret Hart is really good. He looks so good out wrestling Tully. Um, Art that's in the that's Keith's in brother, right? Yeah, Keith's brother, Brett. Uh, absolutely, cool. Keith's brother. I believe Helen was the mother, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure about that. but uh, Oh, yeah, she was, she was the mother, all right. Uh, Arn makes the Anvil look like the strongest man that you have ever seen in your entire life. Yeah. Uh, like, Arn's just clobbering the Anvil with four arms. The Anvil no-sells it. Anvil hits him with one, and, like, Arn is in the fifth row. Like, it's crazy. Like, the brain Which busters, is great because, because already Arn has a reputation of being one of the toughest motherfuckers on the planet. Well, that's right. But that's what's so great about the Brain Busters. Because, yeah, you believe that they're tough bastards, but you know that they're chicken shit heels. And, yeah. and the Brain Busters, for the first, like, 10, 10 minutes of this match, got no offense in at all. The Heart Foundation just ate them up. And the Busters made them look like a million bucks. They sold their asses off for them. And, and it, like, it was, um, it was unbelievable. It was incredible, you know? Um, and even to the point where Jesse Ventura made a comment about it on commentary. I can't believe how good the Hart Foundation looked tonight. The Busters have got no offense in. Um, Arn and Brett do a great spot where, where Arn puts Brett in a, in a hammerlock. And Brett goes down and does a bridge. Beautiful bridge. And then Brett bridges up, gets back to his feet. And then Tully comes in and they both put Brett in a hammerlock. And Brett does like a backflip and arm drags them both out of the ring. And the crowd just lost their minds. It was, it was fantastic. That, that sounds like a, uh, yeah, that sounds like an awesome, 
awesome chain. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, the the Brainbusters probably took offense for about four minutes in this match, if that. Uh, the finish was great. The Heart Foundation, you know, they did that uh, power slam spot that I told you about in the last match, the reverse power slam, mm-hmm. and then, and then you know, you little bastard Bobby Heenan, and and uh, starts distracting. I think Tully was down in the pin. Bobby's distracting the anvil. The referee's over there because the anvil's losing his mind like a wild animal, and Arn comes off. Hits Brett with a forearm off the second rope, and the Brainbusters steal a win. And you know they came out looking like they got so lucky to win that match, and the Hart Foundation came out looking better than they did going in. That's how you do and it. Man. That is a great way to end the match, especially considering. Let's be honest. Usually, when you hear something's a non-title match, you're expecting the champions to lose. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so not only did the champions win, but the champions won, and like you said, made. The challengers look like a million, a uh, million bucks, well, and even like... and and yeah, they wouldn't get another title shot for the next year, but they were still pushed up as that top tier tag team. Well, and like Shivani said too, it, you know, it, it pisses you off. He was mad. Why are you defending the belts? Like it's a great heel move. Uh, if you if you've not watched this match in a long time, and if you like tag team. And if you like tag team wrestling, you gotta you gotta just check it out. It's about I think almost twenty minutes long. Um, it's some of the best work I've ever seen the Brainbusters do as a tag team. Uh, it's some of the best work I've ever seen the Heart Foundation Heart Foundation do as a tag team. It is one of my all time favorite matches of all time. It might be on my top seven favorite matches of all time. Wow. Yeah, I love this match. It, it's one of my favorites. Insane. That's my list, man. What do you think? Very good. I, I'm looking forward to going and rewatching some of those matches that I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. Uh, especially, uh, I don't know why this one. Uh, I just it's been so long since I watched it, but I, I need to go back and watch the Omega Powers Mega Bucks match because uh, yeah, I do remember loving that match. And yeah, and uh, yeah, I want to watch that again. It was fun for sure, man. Um... You got anything you think that I missed, Mike? Anything jumping out of you off the top of your head? Nothing that jumps out. I'll be honest, man. This week I kind of took a knee on this. Didn't do uh, didn't do any research. Uh, I'm uh, I'm you know working on my my future lists and still uh, nursing the hangover from from the last time I did a list. (laughs) Well, I'll give you some honorable mentions that I that were close but no cigar. Um, Fun little tag match at '88. I got two of them, but the Powers of Pain versus the Bolsheviks. Uh, I really like it just because the Powers of Pain had Baron Van Roski with him, and I'm a mark for him, and you never see him in the WWF. Match was kind of whatever, but um, Heart Foundation. Master of the Claw. Master of the Claw, baby. Heart Foundation and Demolition from SummerSlam 88 was a lot of fun as well. Uh, Not good enough for the list, but uh, still a fun match. That was a a brand new babyface Heart Foundation at that match. Uh, I have to mention it. It's uh, whatever. Hogan and Beefer versus Zeus and Macho Man from 89. They, they, oh, yeah? They had, really? Zeus was over, man. They did a good job with him. Uh, I got from SummerSlam 90, Power and Glory against the Rockers. This was actually when Shawn Michaels was had, yeah. he had a bum knee, right? He didn't even get to fight. They made Power yeah. and Glory look great in that match. Um, one that, uh, that didn't hold up for me was LOD and the Nasty Boys from 91. Okay. I, I thought I remember that match being a little better than it was. It was just kind of whatever. Uh, a pretty decent match on 92 between LOD and Money Inc., even though Hawk was on a different planet. 
Uh, a match that almost squawked onto my list, believe it or not, was from 2000, Eddie Guerrero in China versus Val Venus and Trish Stratus. Oh, really? Very, very, very fun match. Um, they really, like, if China got booked properly, which they did in this match, she really was something special, man. Uh, yeah, definitely. Whatever, a, a whatever fun match from 2006 between DX and Vince's Shane. Uh, there's a fun part in the middle of that match where Vince and Shane pretended it was the 80s and started hitting uh, the demolition move, the heart, the heart attack, the doomsday device. They just were going through all these old school 80s tag team mat- moves, which was pretty fun. That was pretty cool. DX and Legacy had an okay match in 89. And uh, a list, the, the, the last one I have is one. Wait, 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 wait. In, in what year? Uh, 2009. Oh, okay. What, what do you think? Did I, say, did I say something different? I, I, I think you said 89. I'm just in the 89 mood, man. 89 was a good year. Uh, last one I got, and I, I really fought hard. I wanted to put this one on the list. It just missed out. It almost actually took the place of uh, the bar against Rollins and Ambrose, and that is uh, Ambrose and Roman Reigns versus the Wyatts from 2017. Very good match. I, I, I was somewhat surprised. Uh, when you were going through your honorable mentions, I was waiting for this one. Um yeah, I, I I love that match. I I remember watching that match. Uh, uh, I sat in the theater watching that, watching that SummerSlam with some buddies, and uh, really enjoyed that match. Yeah, that, that was a tough one. I I really tried to find room for it. I almost took the Bulldogs match off it a couple times, but uh, I think nostalgia got the better of me on that one, and the fact that it was the first SummerSlam match, I think it was fitting on the list. So uh, I stick with it, but I wouldn't have a problem squeaking that one on. Yeah, it's a great match. And that's that officially puts a bow on SummerSlam. Thank you again to everybody for all the support during the SummerSlam live show. Uh, hopefully, uh, the winner of our Terry Funk card was a NATO is awesome or something like that. NATO is, I don't remember the name off the top of my head. I don't Some have it written down. Area. Yeah, uh, yeah. Out of Texas. Uh, so, good old Texas boy winning the Terry Funk card. Congratulations to you. Which was the last one he needed, by the way. Yeah, he said he had a dory. I was talking to him a little bit. He had a dory, right? He had a dory, and uh, but he needed a Terry. And now, well, now he's got his Terry. I'm glad we could help out with that. Thank you for the support. We're going to do it again for Survivor Series, right, buddy? We are. Uh, November 22nd. Uh, stay tuned, man. We're going to do a show right here, uh, the same way we did last time. Probably not sitting outside next time, nope. considering it'll be the dead of winter. Yeah, we learned but, a lot from the last show, and uh, yeah. the next one's going to be better. I already have a prize for the giveaway, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Are, we, are, we, are we waiting on that? or? Yeah, that's what wait. It's still a little early. we got a lot yeah, of lists so to get through. Speaking exactly. of a lot of lists, are you ready for your list next week? I am, yeah. I, I, I know there's a few we've been discussing, so I've been kind of doing some research, but I have no idea which one uh, I'm supposed to do next, so, so go for it. Well, I, I, and this isn't even one that we've really, we did discuss it a little bit, but uh, I actually saw a post you put on your your Facebook account about uh, discussing the David Arquette uh, documentary. Which I do want to discuss in whole on a show because you need to watch it so we can really like review this movie. Well, next it is week so... is going to be the week, okay? You're going to do the top seven David Arquette matches. I'm just kidding. It's not David Arquette matches. You are going to do next week the top seven celebrity involvement in professional wrestling. Ooh. So whether it's, you know, a match, whether it's uh, a guest appearance, uh, that's up to you, man. The top seven uh, best celebrity appearances or involvement in wrestling. 
I'm going to let you have free reign on however you want to do it, man. If you want to talk, all right. About, if you want to talk about a run that Mr. T had or an appearance that Drew Carey had, man, it's hey, uh, man. It, it, it's as long as you're game. cool, as long as you're cool with having an hour and a half long podcast where we only talk about Bob Barker, we are good to go. Oh man, I if he's not your number one, I don't know what is, man. Love uh, me some Bob Barker. <laughs> So that's going to be yeah, next definitely. Week. That's a great list. I, I I'll, I'll have fun with that one. That's uh, that's going to be our next week. I I know that uh, Mike and I have been discussing. Uh, I think you and Danny franchise have got a list that you guys are going to do at some point together. Uh, myself and Jay are also going to do a list because uh, you and I need a break every now and then for this too, right? Well, that and you know, it just schedules suck these days, man. It's hard to get time with. Well, it's hard for us to hook up sometimes. It's, uh, you know, I, I had three days in a row. I was supposed to get together with Danny and it just didn't work out. Cause, uh, we, we have, we both have kids and well, life I know sucks. Dan, Danny and Jay are part of the counted out family. So, uh, it's nice to get them involved. They're, they're going to be great. If anybody is listening, on. if anybody's listening and wants to start paying, uh, uh, me and Tyler to do this full time, um, so we can quit our jobs. That would be great. Yeah, I think we're maybe another year away from a Patreon. Year, a year away? <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Me too. We got some work to do still, buddy. Uh, that's the goal, though. That's the dream, right? Uh, thanks again, everybody. Check us out on all the social media, uh, at Counted Out 7 everywhere, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Uh, we kind of took last week off to recoup uh, the SummerSlam hangover. We're back in full force now. You got anything you want to say before we take it home, buddy? Absolutely not. We are, we're, we're just happy to be back and uh, thanks for being patient with us. Thank you for all the support you gave us for the, uh, the SummerSlam show because it was a lot of fun. Even, even some of my buddies that told me that they weren't going to make it were, were on there that night. So, uh, so that, that was very cool for us. Yeah, it was, it was great, man. You guys made us feel very loved. It's nice uh, to hear that you guys are enjoying what we're doing. And man, stay tuned because we got a lot more cool stuff coming up. Absolutely. Take us home, buddy. All right, until uh, next week with the uh, top seven celebrity countdown, we've been counted out. Cheers.